0: I did not, and I and I told my kids this today, I think a lot of people see me as the smart guy because teachers, obviously, a lot of times are smart, but when I was in high school, I had a 2.7 GPA, did not have a good GPA, um, and I, right now, as we're sitting here, probably read at like a seventh grade level. Like I cannot read to save my life. And it could be ADHD, could be ADD. It could be all the above. It could be your ABCDs, whatever it is. Um, But it's one of those things where when I got to college, I recognized that I wanted history. And you, you talked about why I became a history teacher. One of the reasons, and I say this as a joke, but to a certain extent it is real. The reason why I became a history teacher is because I was bad at everything else. My brain didn't work in a math way. I didn't understand gra- grammar to save my life. Science was okay, but like I wasn't really science And so history was the only thing that kind of made sense to me. And so going back, um, going back when I got to college, I recognized that I wanted to do history because I loved history. But when I, you read at a seventh grade level, you have to make sacrifices. And so what I realized is that I was like, if I really want to be a, be a historian, be a history teacher, I'm going to have to read longer than everybody else because it's going to take me longer than everybody else. And so going back to the story with my, my kids, I told them like, if you want to succeed, if you want something, do it, get it. But you also got to recognize the hard work that you're going to have to put into it.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the You Are Story podcast. Um, if you're listening, if you're tuned in, you know, the support that I've gotten from y'all over the past few weeks has been amazing. Some of your messages, um, seeing, you know, some people reposting some of the clips on uh, from YouTube on Instagram and things like that. It's been awesome to see. And it just shows that, you know, God is doing exactly what I thought he would do, which is, you know, help put this in the hands and in the hearts and the ears of, you know, those who are out there who are willing to listen, those who need these stories and, you know, those who need them to help them with theirs, which is the whole goal of this podcast to hear these stories and help them with yours, which affirms the fact that you're not just a part of the story, but that you are the story. So I appreciate y'all. But with all the people that have been listening, I've seen a, a lack of you know, reviews or rates or comments. So, you know, if you're listening, you know, please follow, please subscribe, please leave a rating, please leave a review. You know, it, it'll be helpful to get these in more ears of people. So I, I would appreciate that. But, you know, wherever God leads this, I'm gonna follow him. So that's the goal. But, you know, without further ado, you know, I have a special guest here for y'all today. Uh This is a guy who, I've pretty much known my whole life. You know, we pretty much grew up together. We've been through ups. We've been through downs together. We've traveled together. We've gone on retreats together. We've, you know, ate together. We've you know spent a lot of time. And, you know, there's a guy that I look up to like a big brother. You know, I know I talk about my little brothers a lot, but I don't have like a blood big brother and so, you know, this is a guy that I definitely look up to like a big brother. He's helped me, given me so much advice. And, you know, I, I introduce him to y'all here today. So without further ado, I introduce to y'all my man, Jacob. How are you doing, man? What's up, dude? You doing all right?
0: Can't dude, complain, man. Dude, I'll tell you what. And, and I'm kind of glad that you said that because I see you as a little brother. And I it's one of those things where, like, I feel like people um, – like I've tried to be mentors to people in the past and like I try to give advice, but a lot of times like people don't listen to the advice or don't even kind of acknowledge the advice. And so you're really one of the only people and, and I appreciate you for extremely for this, that like you come to me with a problem and I give you my advice and like you obviously like any person, you might not follow it a hundred percent, but like you at least appreciate that like, okay, this is where, this is the advice um, and like recognize it, I guess. And so I always appreciated that in our relationship. And I really did. I don't know exactly when kind of like that, I guess, switch happened, but I know for sure, like definitely when you were kind of getting into college, um, leaving high school, getting into college, like that was kind of a switch that I wanted to make. Um, and and I feel like it, it's been good. I I I've enjoy I mean, obviously, we've grown up together. We've been at the church together. But it's been one of those things where, like, watching you grow, watching you succeed has not only been a blessing, um, but it's also been really, really cool to, like, see our relationship grow. I mean, at first, when we first kind of were doing church, it was like the youth group was arguably one of my favorite parts. But now, like, when we were at church together, it was – after church and us talking and me, you and Gabby talking and me talking with your brothers and your parents and, and kind of talking to everybody outside of the realm of church, I think was arguably my favorite part. And I think that that is a huge part and was arguably one of, if I'm being fully transparent here was arguably the hardest part about leaving the church was not only like the memories that I had created here, but leaving you guys because I saw you guys. I saw you as a little brother. I saw Gabby as a little sister type thing. So it was tough. It was tough, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. I've been listening. I'm two and a half episodes in. So I've listened to the bow one and the Brian one. And I'm halfway through the Joshua. Yeah, Josh. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm halfway through that one. So um, I, I've never met him, by the way. So if you could like introduce us <laughs> at some point, I thought
1: I feel like he's, we've he's probably been we've
0: probably seen each other like when you had your graduation party for like high school. He was probably definitely there, but yeah, we've yeah. never like been in a small circle together.
1: Yeah, so. I, yeah, I'll, I'll bring him around. But yeah, ju- just for context, you know. With the way these episodes go at the time of recording this, the Joshua at my episode with Joshua winning at life has just just came out this past Wednesday. So just just for context, it's like time travel. So by the time you're hearing this, we would have been like weeks after recorded it. So it. I explained that terribly. This I is that January work, 20th right now. So <laughs> I, probably I don't know when that. you listen to this, but <laughs> we're recording this on January 20th at two forty-five in the afternoon. <laughs> so I, that, I, saying that would have made it a lot easier,
0: dude. I, let me tell you. So I, I'm sure that this will come up, but uh. as for anybody who doesn't know, I'm a teacher um, and there's so many times where like, I have this, this assignment, that, like, I really am really, really excited about. And I try to explain it, and it, like, (laughs) I fumbled the bag real bad, (laughs) and I have no idea what I'm supposed to be. Like, I can see the confusion on my kids' faces, and I'm like, yeah, uh, we're just going to ditch all that. Um, And I try to explain it in, like, a a very short, at the very kind of bones-type mentality. Um, But, yeah, I'm – dude, it's weird. It's weird being on the other side because usually, so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, me and, and Gabe, I keep calling you want to call you buddy. If that happens, I do apologize. (laughs) Um, but and Adam, who you'll listen to in a little bit, um, we started a podcast. It was a sports podcast called I can't deal with this podcast. Um, and Adam and Gabe were one of the, the the OGs, we kind of created it together, and obviously he's gone on and done this now, and Adam's kind of doing his own thing. Um, but I still do it. Um, it but it, I was always the one who kind of introed us into it, um, and so it's always kind of weird when I'm I'm the one on the other side of the mic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It and I I tell everybody this like I'm still trying to get the intros down. But, you know, once once we get rolling and like the adrenaline kind of calms down, I'm like, OK, here we go. We're about to get into it. But uh, going back to your point before and we'll we'll get to the um, I can't deal with this podcast later. But going back to your point about, you know, it, it was definitely tough, you know, when you and your family uh, left the church. And it was ma- mainly because just thinking about all the memories that we made yeah. here and something I like to do in every episode I like to remember when and how I met people. You're you're in for that. Oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> I
0: I've waited for two things coming on the show. One
1: is that right there.
0: Uh-huh. I've wait I've been waiting for this. But the number one I want to know and obviously you finished telling your story uh-huh. is what you're going to name this podcast and why you're going to name it
1: because we'll I'm there, actually we'll
0: really excited for this one. <laughs> but yeah, go
1: ahead. So we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that cuz it's it's kind of deep and I'll have to kind of dive deep and explain that but yeah i I like to remember when and how i met people but i we've been friends for so long that it wasn't even like i don't i I can't even remember like meeting you but i uh, I mean you
0: were born into the church right yeah so like we've literally been in the same realm since birth because i was Pretty born much, into yeah. the church you were born into the same church and so literally yes we're what two years three years four no you're the same age as ian right
1: yeah how old are you 22 okay well, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm
0: about to turn 26 so like four and a half years um that's crazy yeah, actually now yeah. that i think about it um but yeah like we it's definitely one of those things where if you track the exact moment it's like well when you got brought first to the church <laughs> like
1: yeah yeah But, uh, yeah, the reason I like doing that is because I like to see how me and the person I'm talking to or me and the person of choice, how our relationship has grown and stuff like that. And so we were definitely, we were both born into the church. And, you know, me and Ian, we were kind of like in this, we were in the same. Ian's my brother, by the way, in case anybody didn't know. Yeah, Ian's his brother, his uh, younger brother. Definitely, I want to get Ian on here too. But, um. That thing going to be wild.
0: <laughs> Get ready for that one.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, it. me and Ian were very close, and we still are close to this day, too. And, you know, you you were always kind of in the older group. You hung out with some of the kids that were your age and, you know, things like that. But once I kind of – I feel like there's a point in time where someone gets old enough to where the age barrier isn't really something that's too, I guess – impactful in that anymore so like let's say a 16 year old and a 10 year old that's a that's kind of a big thing because yeah. that's like elementary school yeah. and high, high school. school yeah but you know once you get into like your 20s 26 or like 28 and 22 or 30 and 24 you kind of the age thing isn't really like that big of a factor anymore oh, where for you're sure. like, oh this person's too young and so i think of we eventually reach that point where the age wasn't really like a thing anymore. And then we actually kind of started to relate to each other more. Like you were saying, talking after church and stuff like that. And that's when like our relationship really started to kind of push forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, with me and Adam, we kind of got, we got close at the first, um, I always forget that first camp. Um, right. Cas- Caswell. 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 Oh, you were never in,
0: uh, what was it? Griffin. Griffin, yeah. yeah you never, you never were part of Griffin. Griffin. Hey, Griffin yeah. was wild. Griffin, we didn't do anything other than work, and then we would go home and then, like, or we would go back to the camp and then play ping pong. Like, that was <laughs> yeah. it. Hey, ping pong pool. I <laughs> think they had a foosball table. Hey, it wasn't nearly the glamour of Radius. Also, the fact that you forgot Radius in one of your podcasts. I, I I'm literally my, was yelling.
1: I, I'm my bad, bro. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry, bro.
0: So, I, for anybody who doesn't know, I was one of the camp counselors at Radius, and they literally went like five years. And so, the fact that they just like forgot what <laughs> Radius was
1: was wild. Nah, but just think about that. That was It feels like such a long time ago. Yeah. But – uh, you know, obviously, like I was saying, our relationship has grown a lot <laughs> since then. And, you know, something that I guess when I've known someone for forever is not really about I don't think too much about when and how I met them. But I think about a moment in time where I, I guess, gained the utmost respect for them. Mm. And so I had Sam on here last week and. You know, something I was talking about with him on that was, you know, the people that you kind of are first introduced to in college that not always, but I think in a major way that kind of influences how the rest of your four years are going to go. Yeah. At least that year. But oh, for sure. Probably no, the I rest agree. Of the Four years too. And so, you know, I always kind of, I always like to call this story like divine intervention or mm. I like to look back and see how God was working everything into place yeah And so me and Jacob we've always been four grades apart in school so just for context if I'm in ninth grade when I was in ninth grade he was a freshman in college and so just to do the math yeah you're right and so when I my original and I talked about this too so y'all know um I reclassified from the class of 19 to the class of 18 and so if I had you skipped a
0: grade. you could just name it how it is reclassified. That hurts my head. Big SAT words. <laughs>
1: nah, but yeah. So I would have went, or if I had stayed with my original graduation date, I would have been in college in 2019, and you would have just graduated. Yeah. And so uh, it worked out to where I got into college in 2018, and you were that was your you were a senior. Yeah. Yeah. And. That summer, the first people you introduced me to, you were like, hey, you know, you want to meet some of my friends and stuff like that? So you took me and my sister, and we met the people at M28, you know, and M28, like we explained last week, that's uh, the organization that Sam is the director of. It's a Christian organization on UNCC's campus where they sort of like outreach and, you know, speak the gospel to students on campus and things like that. Yeah. And that was, those were the first people that you introduced me to, and it's like... I think that that moment right there began, like, everything that I'm doing right now because that's why I call my ministry the reclassified because because of that reclassification, I not only reclassified grades, but I reclassified into a new stage of my life or a new season Ooh, of my life. Yeah, I like where, that. I like that. Where, yeah, where I'm just walking in faith and walking in God's purpose and plan that he set for me. And without that foundation of, you know, you guiding me and helping me and, you know, introducing me to the people of M28, godly people who were my age because I've always been surrounded by people that were, you know, had more life experience than me. I I don't like to say older. I like to say more life experience. You can just say older. (laughs) We are. (laughs) But, yeah, and so I, but, um, at least outside of school, I was always just around people that were older than me. Yeah. Um, you know, like family, um, you know, the church, obviously, and, you know, other parts of life and stuff like that too. And so the fact that you introduced me to them, and these were people that were my, around my age, that God was number one in their lives. Yeah. I'd look at that as, wow, that moment sort of, gave me that correct trajectory to take in college and helped me, you know, stay away from trouble, um, make the right decisions, grow a desire to study the word. And, you know, that was you. I I give credit to you. And I remember even when I was doing a testimony there one time, you were already graduated, but you came and you listened to it. And I mentioned your name and I was like, man, and even thinking about, I know I'm all over the place right now, but thinking about this podcast, it's called You Are Story. And like I say, you know, listening, hearing somebody else's story, it can help you with yours. You know, I, you can't tell the story of Gabriel Huff Jr. without Jacob Miller. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I appreciate so, that. that. That's super nice. So um, kind of going off that. Um, so for me, at least, to kind of tell my side of the story, um, I obviously was, I've been a freshman, um, and I think that one of my passions in college was to help freshmen. And I saw how susceptible that I was when I was a freshman of how if the wrong person would have said, hey, I really like you. Let's go do this. Let's go drink. Let's go smoke. Let's yeah. do crap. Like, I, I would like to sit here and say that, like, my... My mental strength, my discipline would have been like, hey, maybe that's not the best idea. But in actuality, like, I think that especially as a freshman in a new setting, you want to make friends by any means necessary. And so you will kind of go to maybe spots where you're not comfortable with. And so I got, I kind of lucked out because by the end of my freshman year, I got introduced to M28. And so... Knowing you and knowing where you and your sister were going to go, I wanted to kind of, I knew because I was like this, how susceptible that people were. And so I always try, anybody who's coming to UNCC for the first time, I always try to push them to M28 because maybe Christianity isn't the best idea for you. But like, it's one of those things where like M28 was a good organization to at least get you people, get you friends. and put you in a good space. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're not a Christian in that and obviously we hope that you do. <laughs> but like that that might not be what that might not be in the cards, but what is in the cards if you go to M28 is hopefully you go, you're welcomed with open arms, you have a community. Um and I think that a community is so important yep. to people going into college, going into high school even. Um, but I know that there was a community that if you were okay with it, and that's kind of goes back to what I said earlier of like, I can give advice, but it takes two to tango. And so like, I can give you advice, but if you don't listen to that advice or you don't consider that advice, we could be having a completely different conversation right now. It could be completely different trajectory of your life as my life wouldn't have changed all that much, but yeah, you get it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that M28, M28 was a blessing for both of us. Um, I, I miss it. I really do. And I'm sure that you probably miss it, too. Um, but it, I'm glad that it gave you a community where you were kind of yeah. able to open up even more than you already have.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate that to the fullest because, you know, M28 and... You know, there was there were times where I had opportunities to lead in it. Yeah, um, I even got to lead one of the one of the teams at the um, anthem. Anthem. Yep. I, I can't, I'm sorry. I just can't remember these names. I just I, love. It's so funny <laughs> to me
0: for people because like some people are really really like good with certain things. Like I'm not smart. By any stretch of the imagination, and you could lap me in smartness, but like I, I'm good at remembering like certain, I guess, events and organizations and stuff like that. I'm not the best at remembering like quotes. Like you're pretty good at remembering quotes. I cannot remember a quote to save my life. <laughs> but I, it, it is always funny to see like different people how they like, I guess, learn or what they their how their brain works and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And and speaking of, you know, gifts, you, you just said, you know, you're good at remembering like events and kind of moments and things like that. So, you know, with you now you're in teaching and specifically you're teaching history. And so with that, you know, is that some, did you, when did you notice that you were good at remembering events and, Did that play a part in you making that decision to be a teacher and specifically history teacher? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. So um, for me, I always saw history as something more than sheer memorization. I think that a lot of people think that history is just memorize this date, memorize this name, memorize this date, memorize this name. Um, But I saw history as something beautiful where cause and effect Um, so to, to kind of put it into perspective. So I love the small stories. I love stories. So I'm going to tell you a story and you probably never heard the story before. And I'm going to tell you the story of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. You are the story, man. So So Archduke Franz Ferdinand was a prince. And for people who don't really like history, maybe tune out for this, but (laughs) so Archduke Franz Ferdinand was a prince of Austria, Hungary. Okay. Um, so he was off fighting a war, It's not really important, but he ends up coming back and they're having a big celebration for him. Um, Well, what he doesn't know is that there is a guy named Gabrilo Princip um, and he is part of a Serbian terrorist organization called the Black Hand. Um, And the Black Hand, what their big thing was, is they wanted, they created a conspiracy to not only kill uh, Franz Ferdinand, but to kill everybody in the Austrian royal family, the king, the queen, the prince, the princesses, everybody. Well, so they have this plan, and it's going to happen when, like, this big celebration is supposed to happen for Franz Ferdinand. And so what ends up happening is it comes to the day, and Gabrillo Princip's ready. He's ready to go. He's got his pistol locked and loaded. Um, But apparently all the other guys backed out. They were like, you know what, we are we don't want to do it. So, But his job was to kill Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. So Franz Ferdinand is riding in a car. It's an, an open roof car at this point, which is revolutionary for this time period because we're talking about 1914. Um, but he was in this open roof car, and Gabriello Princip throws a bomb. And the problem is he's a bad shot. And so he throws the bomb over his head, and so obviously, if the bomb just went off, everybody starts scattering, everybody starts freaking out. Yeah. Well, Gabriello Friendship is super, super frustrated with himself, and so what ends up happening is he ends up going to a sandwich shop, and he's like, "Well, if I'm, I'm gonna get a sandwich at least before I get arrested." Yeah. So what ends up happening is he go, goes to the sandwich shop, he gets a sandwich, and he's eating it outside. Well, just as he's exiting, he just as he's exiting the sandwich shop, what he doesn't know is, uh, not Gabriela Prinship, uh, Franz Ferdinand, his driver took a wrong turn. And so instead of going around, he tried to back up. Well, in backing up, you have to stop. And he stopped right in front of Gabriella Prinship exiting the sandwich shop, and so obviously, Gabriela Princip pulls out his pistol, he shoots him, and Franz Ferdinand dies, and that starts World War I, and so, without, it's one of those things where, if you want to talk about, like, stories and destiny, see, because what a lot of people don't realize is, like, you can understand, you can know that Franz Ferdinand dying Causes what we want. That's just mem- sheer memorization. Yeah. But I promise you, for the rest of your life, you'll remember the story of Franz Ferdinand and how the kind of divine intervention, I guess you could say of like how crazy, how much of destiny that, that thing is. And so it was always one of those things where growing up, I love, I was infatuated with stories like that. Like I got told that story probably 10 years ago now, but I still remember every single detail of it because I just love stories. I love that kind of narrative mindset and that's just how my brain works. And so I love teaching history um, because I saw teaching history as just teaching one big story. And obviously there's ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs, but I saw it as one big story and how I love connecting that cause and effect relationship yeah. without the cause of him throwing the bomb, yeah. we wouldn't have had world war 1. And because we didn't have world war 1, we wouldn't have had world war 2. Without world war 2, there wouldn't have been atomic bomb. Without an atomic bomb, we wouldn't have had uh, uh anime. So
1: <laughs>
0: apparently there's a theory that like anime was created because of the destruction of the atomic bomb. So now you heard it here first because <laughs> of the assassination <laughs> of Archduke <laughs> Franz Ferdinand. That's why we have anime now. So
1: man, and that I think That is a gift because, you know, and that kind of leads me to what this episode is called. The moment that you've been waiting for. This episode is called Teaching is Life. Okay. You know how they say ball is life? Yeah. I say for you, teaching is life. And the reason I say that is because I think you're not just a teacher at uh, your school, but you're also a teacher in every aspect of Mm. your life. I think everybody that comes in contact with you or everybody that, you know, is in your presence is going to learn something, mm. you know, whether it's like you just told, uh, with the Archduke, uh, or Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Uh, or whether it's, you know, after church, when we're talking or whether it's, you know, to your family or anybody, I think teaching for you is life. And, you know, I think one of your biggest gifts in teaching is, your creativity. Mm. You know, I was listening to the most recent episode of the "I Can Do With this podcast. And oh,
0: are,
1: you listened to the one that we
0: recorded on Wednesday? Yeah.
1: Oh, I think I know where you're going with this one. And the um, the game that you and Connor did with the um, where the mascots
0: fought each other. Yeah, yeah. That's I was cool. like,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody would have thought about that. Yeah. So I was like, man, that's a. Ma-, and I was listening to actually. This morning on the way to work And when I heard that I was like Oh I know I know I know what I know what this is gonna be called now But I I think You know Everybody has Everybody obviously has a purpose Everybody has A reason And this is something I said In the episode with Joshua You know When you're doing something You gotta have a reason for doing it And that's kinda what's gonna I guess Give you the motivation To keep on going Cause you Sort of like basketball if you're just playing basketball just because you're not going to have a reason you're not going to have a desire to wake up in the morning and go dribble you're not going to have a desire to go to the gym and shoot you're not going to have a desire to put on your best performance you know so you have to find a reason and so for uh with you and teaching you know i think is it fair to say that you know a big aspect of Or one of the things you enjoy most about teaching is not just about sharing the history, but just being somebody that these students can look up to? Oh, for sure. No,
0: I I think that arguably if I were to pick between teaching and mentoring, I would love to be a mentor. I think now mentoring is a whole different can of worms because people come to you with problems that you necessarily don't have answers to. Like if you – like. If a kid comes up to you and says, my mom just died, got diagnosed with stage four cancer. I always have a problem of like, obviously that's terrible. That's heartbreaking. But it's one of those things where in the moment I want to have something to say. Whereas like a lot of times, sometimes I'm kind of in my, in my older years, I guess. Like I've kind of got to a point where I I'm starting to slowly learn that I don't have to have everything to say all the time because I always was one of those people growing up where like, I wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I wanted, and to, to what we were talking about earlier with like being a mentor, like I always saw myself in a linear white or black. You're either on the right direction or the wrong direction. Um, Whereas like, It's one of those things where it's, I think that I've kind of slowly become, like, get to a point where things aren't as white and black as I thought they were. Like, you might be going down the wrong direction for a little while, but then you might swerve to the right direction, and then the wrong direction, and then the right direction. Or your direction might not be the wrong direction, or your direction might not be the right direction. Um, And so that's kind of... I love teaching because not only do I get to teach history, which I enjoy, which we just talked about, um, but I also get to share life lessons. And I got to share life. Now, whether they listen to those life lessons is, I mean, like I said, I can tell it. If you don't listen, I can't help you. Um, And I can make it as simple as possible. But if you don't listen, I can't help you. Um, And that's one of the big things about teaching. But um, like today, I was, I was having kind of a heart-to-heart with my third period because we're having final exams. And so this is going to be the last time that I get to talk to them. And I think that one of the, the biggest things, that I, I, I tell it anybody, um, but on obviously high schoolers who are on that, that cusp of going on to the next chapter, I truly think that anybody can do anything. If you want to go to the NFL, which you can't, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if you wanted, I, I, yes, I heard your Brian talk. Um, but like, if you wanted to be an NFL player, you can. But I think that the problem with a lot of high schoolers, and this is people in general, like you don't know the, the hard work that it's going to take. Yeah. Like I did not, and I and I told my kids this today, I think a lot of people see me, As the smart guy, because teachers, obviously, a lot of times are smart. But when I was in high school, I had a 2.7 GPA, did not have a good GPA. Um, And I, right now, as we're sitting here, probably read at like a seventh grade level. Like, I cannot read to save my life. And it could be ADHD, could be ADD, it could be all the above. It could be your ABCDs, whatever it is. Um, But it's one of those things where when I got to college, I recognized that I wanted history and you, you talked about why I became a history teacher. One of the reasons, and I say this as a joke, but to a certain extent it is real. The reason why I became a history teacher is because I was bad at everything else. My brain didn't work in a math way. I didn't understand gra- grammar to save my life. Science was okay, but like I wasn't really sciencey. And so history was the only thing that kind of made sense to me. And so going back, um, going back when I got to college, I recognized that I wanted to do history because I loved history. But when I, you read at a seventh grade level, you have to make sacrifices. And so what I realized is that I was like, if I really want to be a be a historian, be a history teacher, I'm going to have to read longer than everybody else because it's going to take me longer than everybody else. And so going back to the story with my my kids, I told them, like, if you want to succeed, if you want something, do it, get it. But you also got to recognize the hard work that you're going to have to put into it. And I think that obviously you can probably kind of relate to this, but it's one of those things where, like, I was never the the fastest, the smartest, the strongest, the tallest, any of it. But I truly believe that I will work harder than anybody else. I will work harder than any teacher. And the reason why is because I'm not afraid to give up my time, my sleep, hell, even sometimes my relationships in order to get a job done. Mm. And yes, it causes strain on <laughs> relationships at times, yeah. but I would much rather – know that I did everything I could in order to get a lesson accomplished. There's been times where I was up till 11 o'clock. I I would wake up at 5.30, do a shift. Obviously, we only get a 20-minute lunch. Go home for an hour, relax, eat dinner, and then work on a lesson plan from 4 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. And then go to bed at 11.30, wake up at 5 o'clock the next day, do that lesson. And so it's one of those things where like, there's not many people who will, a lot of people in teaching say, and obviously this is one of my greatest strengths, but also my greatest weakness of, they, they tell you don't reinvent the wheel, that it's, um, don't, don't do stuff that you don't have to, there's stuff, there's these uh, curriculums, and there's all these activities that they have already planned out for you. And yes, that's great. But in my mind, what makes me a good teacher is that I have that story that we talked about. I have that story of American history already planned out. And so if your activity doesn't fit into my story, I'm not going to use it. And so a lot of times I can't find stuff that fits into my story. And so I have to create it. And so I have to create every single assignment, every single reading, every single all these things. Um, And it teaches. Yes, it it's great because it teaches what I want it to teach, but it's also very, very time consuming and it's hard. But to go back to your original question, mentoring to me is one of my passions and teaching is great. Teaching history is great. And obviously I love the storytelling, but the mentoring is in how there's people, There are people like you who actually listen to my advice and maybe not every single time take my advice, but recognize it. And sometimes they take my advice. And one of my biggest, one of my favorite things is when a kid comes up to me uh, six months later, a month later, two years later, and was like, Hey, I took your advice on this and here's where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. Because one of my big things and kind of the last thing about mentoring is that the reason why I tell you guys, tell you, I tell my students, because i obviously I'm older. And so like, I've learned from experience what to do and what not to do. And obviously I think to a certain extent, kids need to figure out by themselves, they might have to do a trial and error period yeah. and they might have to come to the same conclusion. But my, my thought process is, is that if I can help you in any way, shape or form, if I can make my life if you can learn from my mistakes, if you can, if your life gets a little bit easier because of the experiences that I've gone through, I'm a, a hundred out of a hundred, a million out of a million going to tell you those. And you might not listen. Like when I told the kids about, Hey, if you work hard, if you do this and I'm a big motivation guy. And so kids, some kids aren't for that. Like I had 18 kids in my class and probably about four of them didn't hear a word that I said because they were on their phone the whole time. And that's oh, fine. Yeah. And, and it sucks. And it's in to extent, it hurts because you like put your heart and soul and you're trying to give them life, life lessons. But it's one of those things where teaching gives you a good perspective on sometimes it's the one kid who you make an impact for that makes it all worth it. Yeah. That, that if, and, and sometimes as as a selfish person, I look at it and I'm like, well, eight, 17 out of these 18 aren't looking at me. They're not listening to me. But then I have to go back to my roots and be like, well, in actuality, maybe it's that one kid who is paying attention, who is listening, that it makes teaching worth it. Now, obviously, when you have out of those 18, maybe five of them are yelling at each other. Maybe that adds in some more <laughs> extremes. But, yeah, I I think teaching teaching is life, and I think that it's it's life right now. And I think that one of the big things that I want to work on is a work-life balance because I think that it will come with time, but right now I'm in the spot where I'm creating all my assignments. I'm creating all these things, and so teaching is life. It is the majority of what I do during the day. Um, not only while I'm in work hours but outside. Um and so trying to find that that work life balance is is tough, but it is something that I really want to try to find at some point. Especially when I get married and have kids and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And you know, just to compact everything you just said, man, it, it reminds me a lot of and I have a blog post on this too called "Who You Who You've Always Been." Make sure to check out the reclassified com shameless plug. That is my blog site, the reclassified com. Go check it out. I put other blogs on there. I put it in the description of every single episode. And make sure to check that out. But um, just a shameless plug. <laughs> hey, I hey, love it. All right, go ahead. How many yeah, well, blog posts did you do? Maybe there's probably maybe like ten to fifteen on there. Okay, so you so put. It,
0: put work in this
1: yeah I, it, it's been a while before i posted the last one uh last month it had been almost two years since i last put one on there because i it was just busy busy life was just busy and stuff but yeah it is definitely good so make sure you check that out it'll mean a lot i think there's a lot of great stuff that can help you in there but um yeah just come to compact everything you've said man I, I did a blog post in there called who you've always been and pretty much what it was about was I was taking Moses. And we know the story of Moses. Um, he saw one of the Egyptian guards um, abusing and messing with one of the Hebrew Israelites. And so Moses took matters into his own head. Moses took matters into his own hands, and he took that guard out, you know, took their life. And something I noticed in that, and I read this on a commentary or something, I forget where, but Moses was a very reactionary person. So he would see something and he would act more so, more more times than not, more often than not, he would act before he thought. And so when you look at Moses' life and you see Moses and what he eventually ended up doing, God took that gift that he wasn't necessarily using in the right way and used it for something good. You know, God needed a leader that would be able to act Without, you know, thinking too much Without questioning God That would just do what God tells me do this Okay, I'm going to do it God needs me to put the staff in the water To part the sea I'm going to go ahead and do it God needs me to hit the rock So water can come out Obviously he doubted in that part But, you know, you get what I'm saying, right? And same thing with Paul Paul was, you know Originally Paul was Saul And he was somebody who wasn't afraid To take matters into his own hands And kill some of the Christian people You know, Stephen being one of them, you know, he was orchestrating and he saw them stone Stephen to death. But then God led him on the, you know, the path to Damascus, uh, put the light on him. And that gift to where Saul kind of had like a I don't really care attitude. Now it was being used for good. Oh, you're going to throw stones at me. I don't care. I'm still going to preach the word. Oh, you have me in prison. Oh, I don't care. I'm still going to sing the hymns. Oh, you have me, you know, exiled or you have me in a shipwreck? I don't care. I'll swim to the island and share the gospel. And so the reason I'm bringing that up is because you were talking about how, you know, you were saying you read at the seventh grade level. um, You know, you had to work harder than everybody else. But if you weren't in a position where you had to work harder than everybody else, then if you were teaching a class where, you know, a majority of the students weren't listening, it would be harder because you wouldn't have had that experience working so hard. So I feel that God used that to give you that mindset of, I'm going to work harder than everybody else to make sure that this gets accomplished. And so with all the students, you know, some of them that may not be paying attention or yelling or things like that, I think God used that, you know, what, I don't want to call it a disability, but there there's these, my, my brothers, they or my brothers. They watch these videos by this dude called Darman There was a video on there where this kid, he had issues and stuff. And at the end of the episode, after everything, he was like, oh, that's not a disability. It's just a different ability. And so I like that. Yeah, that's
0: pretty. That's pretty cool.
1: And so obviously that wasn't a disability. That was just, I guess, a disadvantage that you had compared to some of your peers, maybe. Yeah. But because that kind of forced you to work hard and work harder than everybody else, I think that definitely played a part in helping you with teaching, because there's always going to be some students that don't listen. There's always going to be some students that don't take it seriously as they should. But having that working hard mindset that you have, I think that helps you greatly in teaching and helps you stay motivated to keep on doing it. Sort of like Jeremiah, he was a, the old Testament prophet and they call him, I think they call him the enduring prophet because he was, sharing the gospel, sharing the things that God was saying to all the people, uh, the Israelites, and they weren't listening. But, you know, he still kept enduring. He still kept going. And so that's definitely something I I see in you, man. You just keep on going. You keep pushing and you're going to keep working and, you know, do your thing. And So I, I admire that from you, man. And it's definitely something that I have noticed. And, you know, I think it's amazing how all of that played a part. And it's, propelled you to the position that you are now
0: yeah no i get that <laughs> it, it's definitely one of those things where like it's not i if i'm being fully transparent with you like that's not me working all the time is not the life that yeah, is yeah. sustainable yeah um and i think that that in itself is growth because like it was one of those things where my first year i was trying to i was trying to show everybody that i could do it Um, And I was creating all this stuff. And so it was one of those things where um, I was working so hard, but because of that, I was burning myself out. And some of it is some of the most rewarding stuff you'll get, but it also is the most tiresome stuff you'll get. And you're like, it's one of those things where you're constant. Yes. You, you talked about like me being creative. I love being creative and teaching. Um, We have like, Throwing paper balls at each other first, American that. Revolution, Civil War. I mean, we have this thing um, where I'm teaching about gold, or like the gold rush, where I, get, I put a note card and put an X on it, and I, ha- I hide it. And then they have to, like, try to find it. And so that illustrates, like, how if I told you, Hey, it's over there. Everybody's going to go over there and that illustrates mining towns and stuff like that. Um, and I love thinking about that, but it also is super, super time consuming. And so I think one of the biggest things that I've recognized as a teacher is yes, you work hard, but also sometimes, and I know that I might counter what I just said a little bit of like, sometimes working smarter is working harder. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm trying to wrap my head around that like, hey, if you need help, ask somebody. Yeah. But it's hard because like I said, it in my brain, there's two parts of my brain. There's one that's like, this is your vision. You need to do everything in your poss- power to accomplish this vision. But the other part of it's like, we're tired. <laughs> like we, we don't want to keep working. We don't want to keep working yeah. all the time. And so it, it's one of those things where, I always have these two sides of my brain that always go with each other. And so you talked about like me working hard. Well, yes, that's great, but it's also because I'm stubborn and don't like other people having control over my stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's funny because I like, love being a mentor, but I hate being mentored because Uh, I don't, I don't want to, like I said, I have this vision and because I have this vision, it's a blessing and a curse because part of it's like I have the clarity of like, hey, this is going to be what I'm going to teach. But also it's a curse because it's like you can give me advice, but if it doesn't fit in my vision, I'm, I'm going to disregard it. Mm. And I'm going to do it in the most polite way that I can. Yeah. But if it's not in the vision, I'm not going to do it. Or if I think it's stupid, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And now yeah. obviously there are times where like, where I'll see something and I'll say something and then they'll like, they'll say something and it fits in my vision or fits in my plan or something like that. And I'll be like, Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Um, But there are very few times where that happens. And so like, it's one of those things where I, I'm very good at my job. I am very good at my job, but I'm also, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm a good team player because I'm not. Um, Because, I think that my way is right or my way works for my kids and your way might work for your kids, but I'm not going to ask you for any of your stuff because I don't think that that's going to work for my kids or work for my vision. And so it's teaching stressful, teaching's hard. um, But it is some of the most rewarding stuff that you'll ever find. Um, But I, but I appreciate that you say that I admire it because I think that my kids admire it too. I think that the kids know how much I care for them and how much hard work I put in for them. Um, but it is stress. It, it it's hard. And, and one of the big reasons why it's hard is because, and this might go on a little bit of a tangent. Um, if, if that's okay. you Um, good. you good. One of the big things at the school that I work at, Garinger high school, um, is that most kids there speak Spanish. And so, 55% of our population is Hispanic. And so with that comes a lot of Spanish kids, a lot of them who never don't speak English. And so a lot of times it can be discouraging because it's like you put all this effort into try to, and I feel like I'm a very good simplifier of like, Hey, this is what you need to know. These are the bare minimum spots. And yes, maybe I'll sprinkle in some higher thinking stuff, but like this is the bare minimum for you to get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, which is good, but also it's one of those things where it's like, if they don't speak English, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And so, it's one of those things where it's always hard, especially in my classes, because it's probably, in my fourth block, for instance, I have, there's about 28 kids, there's probably five who speak little English. And so, with those five kids, like, how do you reach them? Because your job is still to teach them. Your, your job is still to reach them to the best of your ability. And you don't want to just slide them through the cracks or you don't want to just give them a hundred. And yeah. so those are two very different thought processes. But like a lot of times you either see everything is given to them in Spanish. Well, if you give them everything in Spanish, you're not teaching them English, which is the overall goal here. But if you give them a hundred percent for just putting their name on the paper, you're also not helping them in developing their critical thinking. Yeah. and so it's one of those things where it's hard to find a balance, and teaching, and one thing that I've tried to mentor kind of your your sister on, is teaching is about finding a balance. It's finding a balance of being strict but also being fun. It's about finding a balance of being relatable but also not being too relatable, where kids think that you're best friends with one another. Where yeah. there's that that authority figure. Um, and so, I know that kind of went off on about uh, on a tangent, but um, it. I love teaching, but it's it's not as it's not like everybody says it is. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because everybody. Obviously when you're a student, you see it some way. But I think that one of the big things that I've seen, and this isn't to go on a completely different tangent, but it like good? it it's it's corrupt. It's broken. And the education system is broken. And I think that when it comes down to it in America, most systems that we have are about one thing and one thing alone, and that's money. And so the education system is the same way, that they will try to cut corners however they can. They'll try to expand class sizes however they can. They'll try to do all these things to, to a certain extent, undermine teachers in order to save a buck. And it's one of those things where it's it's tough as a teacher because you you love the kids. You love teaching. You love being a mentor like I just talked about. But you also see the dirty side Of teaching which is the the bureaucracy the i'm sorry for this but the kiss assery of the the only people who actually make it make it higher aren't the people who are good at their job but the people who know the most people or kiss ass the most or or whatever it is and so it's it's discouraging because in especially at Geringer, it's one of those things where that is blatant like you see the bureaucracy you see all these problems with the school system itself firsthand and it can be it can be discouraging it really can and it makes people the reason why cms and and the united states as a whole like the reason why we're losing so many teachers at such a rapid rate is because dude i have the, i have to move for instance We're moving into our new building. We're starting a new semester on Wednesday. No, I'm sorry, on Thursday. I don't know when I'm supposed to move back into my room. I'm supposed to be in that room, set up, new kids coming on Thursday, and I don't know when I'm supposed to move in. Wow. And so communication like that, huge problem. And the the bureaucracy of it where, like, because – I might have a bad relationship with one administrator. They might not tell me or any of my peers what's going on. And so it's just, it, it's kind of a messed up system. Um, and I love Garinger to death. I think that Geringer has been my home for so long. It's been my home for now four years. Um, but it's also one of those things where you, see, you get very aware of the, the
1: shortcomings of
0: it a lot of time. But yeah. That, that's neither here nor there I'm sorry that I went off on, on <laughs> tangents like that but
1: now nah, you're good um, you know do you do you feel like you're alone in that I guess in that um do do you feel like you're the only person who feels that way' no. the only person no. oh, okay, okay so
0: so that is the good thing about it is that like most people feel that most people feel the exact same way that I do, that there's no communication here, the shortcomings, all the things. Um, But I think that the problem is, is that you can tell the people on the higher ups, but nothing gets changed. Yeah. And so what ends up happening a lot of the time is that you just end up complaining And you complain, and you complain, and you complain. And I think that there's a time and a place where complaining can be nice, where you get to vent. But it's also like if you're complaining, all all of your free time is just complaining about work, then that's not that good. Like that. And obviously, there is no. And obviously, you're an engineer, so like you know that like there is no perfect work environment. Like, there's always stuff that you can improve upon, and there's always reason to complain about anything. But, like, it it is frustrating because you have the amount of people, especially at my school, that have been super, super good teachers but have essentially kind of been driven out because they, they weren't afraid. Like, they were driven out because they stood up. And we're like, hey, enough is enough. This is stupid. This is what we need to do. If you don't like this, I'm quitting type thing. And a lot of them, because there's so many people who leave at Garinger, it's a lot of people just walk. A lot of people, it it, it sucks. It sucks. It really does.
1: Yeah, and I, I definitely do feel that. And I know I, I don't, I'm not alone in this idea also but there there always has been you know everybody always says teachers are arguably the most underappreciated yeah. you know job and career that there is and it's not even just by you know students i i think there's i think there's more teachers that are underappreciated by students than there are that are appreciated and i think that's the same with like you were saying some of the people that are in the higher positions as well and You know, even some parents as well. I remember I was in sixth grade um, and I had this reading teacher, nicest lady ever, like nicest woman ever. Like she, when she gave hugs, like it would be like very close hugs. (laughs) Like almost like she's like, you know, my aunt or like someone I'm related to. And I remember I, I went into her class one day and she wasn't there. And I heard, you know, through some of the other students that she had received a letter from a parent who was mad and they sent her an angry letter and she just couldn't teach for the rest of the day. And I I think that a lot of people just kind of in the hiring process and even throughout, a lot of people just kind of expect teachers, this is what you're supposed to do, just teach and then go home instead of like trying to actually be – you're like – Think about it like this, right? You know, when I was in high school, my high school was from, like, 8.15 or 9.15, I don't remember, to, like, 3.30. You know, I spent more time at school with my teachers than I did at home. Because when you get home, yeah. you go to bed at, what, let's say, like, 9 or 10. Yeah, You spend, like, seven hours at school, and then, I guess, like, five or six, maybe seven hours with your family, but then some parents work as well. Yeah. Your parents get home at like five or six. So like you spend more time with your teachers than you did with your families for a majority of the students. And so I think there definitely should be more appreciation for teachers because, you know, a teacher can really have an impact in a student a kid's life. You know, even I remember my and I don't mean to go on my tangent. Yeah, I go ahead. I I had this seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade math teacher. I I forget, but um, there was one time me and you know Manny right? You remember mm-hmm, Manny? Yeah. Yeah, me and Manny. So we were, there wasn't a lot of, uh, black students in the AIG program. AIG, it's, what does that mean? Like it's like, like in engineering type like adv- thing. No, it's kind of like advanced classes. Okay, got it. Um, but um, yeah, we were like. One of the very few black students In you know the AIG Program and so A lot of our more A lot of teachers honestly like They would hold us after class sometimes And just say hey you know y'all could Be an inspiration and stuff like That and originally At the time you can look at it and be like Why are they singling us out you know We're no different than everybody else But at the same time it's Like you know we The reality is I mean we are in the minority here, we are different, you know? Yeah,
0: and, and kind of talk, touching on that. Yeah. Probably in their mind, like if there is only a few black students in their mind, like if you're doing it and doing it well, you can be somebody who the younger kids look up to and be like, Hey, like there are black students who are doing well. And so like kind of push them in a, in a weird way to like, Oh, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it type thing?
1: Yeah. And, you know, the same thing with engineering, too You know, I th- I mean, I'm With engineering, I definitely do see the The, I guess, the separation between, Or, I guess, the The low number of, you know, African-American people That are in that discipline And I've never thought it was, like, a You know, a I guess, like, a privileged type of thing Or anything like that I thought of it more so as I feel like it's just something that, it's not it's not the first thing that comes to mind when you're African American child, um, and so I, I think it's more so about I kind of want to be somebody who can be like a face or a voice for other African Americans who are searching for something to do. Hey, you know, here's a career that's you know versatile. It's got, you can work with buildings, you can work with bridges, you can work with a lot of things, you know, there's, I mean, this building, you know, the floors, these microphones, like almost everything is engineering, you know, there's so much jobs for that too. So, you know, going back to the teachers that would hold me in many after class and stuff like that, you know, originally it was kind of like, Oh, what are you, what are y'all doing? But looking back as I got older, I was like, you know, what they were saying does make sense because you know, at the end of the day, I I do appreciate my teachers for caring enough to see that in me. You know, and I you know me like I was I didn't talk that much. I wasn't necessarily like a bad student, yeah. But I I did kind of I guess hold back a lot, and I did kind of just go with the flow. And there were some times where I wouldn't turn in my homework. I wouldn't do something. In, that, that would be the times where they would hold us back and be like, hey, why didn't you do that? And I'm like, there were so many other students that didn't turn their homework. Why are you singling yeah, me out? Yeah. But it it was always because, you know, they they saw something in me. And that that's another one of the things I'm so grateful for you for. And I, I forget which I don't know if I mentioned this on any of the past episodes, but maybe I did. I don't know. But there's never really been somebody in my life, at least to my face, that's doubted me. You know, everybody that's like close friends to me—they've always. I been...
0: I doubted that you could go to the NFL. I,
1: I mean, I'm, do- I'm mean... just messing with you. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> you you know what I mean. You know what I yeah. mean. Like, you know, you never doubt. Like, I even when, if y'all don't know, I'm a, you know, active deacon at the church. Even when that came, you know, it was like I I became a deacon when I was 20 years old. I think probably less than that. Maybe 19 or 20.
0: I think you were like 19.
1: And, you know, that can be looked down upon, Yeah. especially considering deacons. They're supposed to be like people that you can go to. Hey, I need advice. Hey, do you know the answer to this biblical thing or, you know, things like that. And it was definitely hard, especially considering, you know, someone that's a lot older than me who may be going through something. How can I tell them what they should do, you know?
0: When they're 30 years older, yeah.
1: Yeah, and but, you know, you never doubted me. You always just, like, motivated me. You always were like, hey, you can do this and stuff. And that goes back to the teaching is life thing, too, because at the end of the day, you know, you're always going to have someone's best interests at heart. Mm. And like you were saying, even if they may not take the advice, you know, I always acknowledged your advice, even if I didn't necessarily follow it. I always at least acknowledged it and I I respect, I know I'm no, I know, I know I'm going long, I apologize. It, it's like if you let's say you bring a woman to your your family. you know, obviously, if your family doesn't like them, if you like them enough, you'll probably still remain stay with them. But I respect my family enough to at least hear them out, oh why don't you like this person? And so even if I may not necessarily take the advice that you're giving, yeah. I have that respect for you to be like I hear you and I'll consider it, you know and so that's like my big thing man.
0: No, I feel you no, so you you asked something earlier and I think that I, I wanted to hear your perspective because I might have a different perspective. yeah and obviously I appreciate that you took my advice and stuff like that. Yeah. and I really didn't ever doubt you because at the end of the day we want I want my boys to be successful. And I want my girls to be successful and stuff like that. And I think that, obviously, you're a really smart dude. And so you really didn't have anything for me to doubt you on. Like, <laughs> I wasn't like, this dude can't do math. Like, I I never thought of it like that. So yeah. you, you mentioned earlier about African Americans in engineering. Yeah. Why do you think, like, from a systematic perspective? Obviously, like, you might have... Kind of like a, like you're an engineer, obviously. But like, why do you think that there aren't as many? You you talked about it's maybe not on everybody's mind, kind of growing up. But like, is there anything systematically that you see? Because I can can I tell you my side of the story? Because yeah, so for instance the reason why I don't think that there's a lot of African-Americans in engineering is because most of the African-Americans in Charlotte go to low income schools. And because low income schools, there's not as, there's not as high quality of rigor or even teachers, because a lot of times the same, the teachers at Geringer get paid the exact same amount as teachers at Myers Park. And it's like, Hey, if I'm faced with, these bad kids or perceived bad kids at Garinger. And then you have these really, really perceived good kids at Myers park. Like I'm going to yeah. take Myers park obviously every day. And yeah. so Garinger has a hard time bringing in kids. So they are not kids. They have a hard time bringing in teachers. Yeah. So the teachers might not be to the quality that you want them. Um, the sheer amount of um, the rigor. So like for you, you were probably taking what pre-calc calculus in, in high school, Mm -hmm. like at Geringer, calculus isn't even offered. Wow. And so like, it's one of those things where a lot of these African Americans, not only do they, a lot of times get kind of pushed along and they're not really actually learning anything, anything useful or developing these skills, but they might have great grades, but when they get to college, they haven't taken calculus. Plus The classes aren't super, super rigorous. And so a lot of times what we see is people kind of drop out. And so I I wanted to know from kind of your perspective, because like that's how I see it, Uh because I see this reality all the time. And so I didn't know if you, as an African-American male, like if you kind of saw a similar perspective or kind of how you saw the lack of African-Americans in engineering.
1: Yeah, I I think – You know, something that I definitely, you know, a reality is when sometimes when I'm, you know, just in the presence of a bunch of other engineers and just seeing that there's not many people that look like me, sometimes it gets discouraging, not because I don't feel welcomed or don't feel like I'm part of the family, but just the fact that, you know, there are some things that I probably would think about or say that only someone that looks like me would understand. Yeah. And so I I felt that discouragement in a way. And so I think sometimes maybe some other people see that and they get discouraged by that. I think another thing is, um, you know, a lot of people may not know that the opportunity is there Mm, so when, yeah. what going throughout college, I didn't get an internship till the summer, my the summer before my senior year, and I know there was a lot of people who were doing internships since before even their freshman year, and so at that point I was questioning, is this even for me? Because I'm sending out these offers, not getting accepted, and um, you know, it's not looking <laughs> it's not looking good. Yeah. But I had – there was this guy, and, you know, if he ever has time, I'd love it to get him on here. His name was Mitchell, and he he's in the military now. He's doing uh, the military thing now, but he put me – he had started an internship with the company that I'm at now, but it was, like, right before COVID hit, so his internship was only a couple weeks, I think, or a few yeah. weeks. So it got cut short. But because he had that short interaction – that was enough to get him to have to know the the director or the leader, the team leader there enough to put me in contact with them and I got accepted at the company. Um and so a big thing that I learned from that is that you need somebody to kind of help guide you. Yeah. It is I think with those sort of STEM uh careers like engineering or science or uh, I forget what STEM stands for: science, technology, engineering, math. Math, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, I think with careers like that, you is sort of it, it's it's more instead of what you know, it's who you know. Yes, and
0: because yeah. I and I and I really didn't think about think about it like that, and I uh, think that that's a huge part of it too. That like if it's if it's not what you know, there might be even more African Americans who. Know a lot of stuff who might even be in the right classes, but because they don't have the the relationships, because maybe they came from a low income community, so they don't know engineers and these these people who can set up these internships. That uh-huh. that's great. I I really hadn't thought about. I really hadn't thought of it like that.
1: Yeah, and you know, from that and just seeing how Mitchell helped me, and you know, he. Obviously, I put hard work in myself, but you know, I give him like the utmost credit. Like, you know, without you just being there for me when you didn't have to be, I I don't know what I would be doing. And so that kind of led to me, and I'm not going to disclose too much of it now, because I talked about this on the episode with Josh too. Some I I I'll share it with you afterwards, but I sometimes when I have a plan or something I want to do, I tr- I like to keep it a little in house. Cause I, on the episode and I've heard this somewhere else too, it's sort of like concrete with your ideas. Like your ideas are kind of like wet concrete. And so if too many people step on it, once it dries up, you can see their footprints and it it,
0: never heard that one.
1: Yeah. And so it'll be like, is it really yours or is it somebody else's? Yeah. And so, um, I'm not going to share too much of it, but I do want to help, you know, people, I do want to help people who may be in a position where they're not getting the internships or not getting success in finding jobs, or even people that are in a position where they may not know what they want to do. Maybe they're in college and what's it called when you don't have a major undecided undecided. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I kind of want to be in a position eventually where I can go to different schools and, you know, kind of speak, um, maybe hold, Certain events like fundraisers where I, you know, get donations to get some robotic stuff and hold events in the community, yeah, and you know, things like that. And just to introduce the idea of engineering to give to people, just to give them a choice it's not even, hey, you should do engineering, engineering is what your purpose is, but just to give them a choice, to give them an idea, oh, this is cool, because that's how it was for me. Um, you, my high school. I was blessed to go to a high school where they had different academies. So they had, like, medical, they had engineering, they had even theater. And so I was in the engineering one, and I had no idea what engineering was. I was about to say, do you think
0: that you would have landed on the same career if you went to a public high school instead of kind of a more – was it private charter?
1: It, it was public, but it was like a magnet school. So it okay. was Okay.
0: Like, say, for instance, it's a non-magnet school. Yeah. Do you think that you would have still – Landed at engineering, like, or do you think that you would? I mean, there, there. This is a big hypothetical situation, yeah. But I, it's always interesting to me because you talked about it. Like, you had like engineering. You, it was a STEM school, and so I'm always interested to see like you take the STEM out of it. Like, obviously, there's a lot of white people who go to public schools and they're like their parents are engineers or their cousins engineer, and so they're like, oh, I want to become an engineer because. This, my cousin's an engineer, Mm -hmm. but like you're a first generation engineer, right? Like you don't have, do you have, obviously you have a million cousins, (laughs) but
1: so probably one of them's an engineer at some point. But I, yeah, I I don't know of anybody who was a full-time engineer. Yeah. So
0: like it, I think that that in itself, like a magnet program and kind of combining both of our two thoughts of like, at, at like garringer where it's not a magnet program where it's a public school like what you said a lot of people don't even know i think that people know what an engineer means mm-hmm. or an, an idea of what mm-hmm. an engineer means but they don't know what they have to do to accomplish it yeah and i think that that's huge and i think that that's one of those things where it's like i think that one of the big things that i see at garringer is that everybody has high ambitions but they don't know what steps they have to take in order to accomplish mm. those high ambitions. Yeah. And I think that it, that's one of the big things that I try to be a mentor for is be like, Hey, if you, if you want to be a doctor, you can't not go to college. Like, yeah. and as crazy as it sounds, these people have these high ambitions and everybody has the high ambitions. Everybody ha- wants to go to, co- everybody wants to be an engineer or, um, I want us to be an architect. Well, I'm like, Hey, uh, are you going to go to college? No. Well, then you're not going to be a doctor. You're not going to be an architect. And so it's one of those things where it's like, that might be a little bit bit too blatant, but it's the reality that I don't think that a lot of people understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think that, I think that you like going and giving back and obviously not giving back, but like you trying to go into the schools, I think it's one thing for a white guy to say it. It's another thing to have the same look as the people that you're talking to. Like if I go up there and I have a pretty good influence, but like if I go up there and be like, Hey, you can be an engineer. They might be like, okay, white boy, like relax. (laughs) But like, if you go in there, they might like have a little bit, more respect, I guess, um, and might take you a little bit more seriously than they would take me. But, no,
1: I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, man. But I know we're getting close to the end, so I just want to do something, something like, to yeah, wrap.
0: T- t- take 30 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, but yeah, I, I want to do something to wrap this up, man. So I'm going to tell you a quick story, really quick story, and then okay. I want to see you know what you would do. So in seventh grade, I had this te- – and we're on the idea of teachers, too. I had this teacher – who made us write a letter to ourselves when we graduate high school? And so, uh, I remember—I don't remember writing the letter, but we got it. Everybody got it in the mail the year of their graduation, like the summer of their graduation. So it's pretty cool because it's like. I was time gonna say, travel. if you
0: change schools, what would happen? What would happen?
1: I think it, it. I still got the letter, so I—I I don't. You
0: change schools and you still got the letter?
1: Yeah. Well it, yeah. Hey, that teacher was
0: putting in work. She was putting in that overtime. Yeah, it, you it was need to thank actually. that
1: teacher for real. Yeah, it, it was a guy actually. Um, but yeah, it, oh, what was his name? Mr. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. I'll look it up. But Still yeah. can't remember
0: people's names. Can't remember <laughs> events.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I... Crazy thing is, since I graduated a year early, I didn't get the letter. So it was completely out of my mind. And then the end of my freshman year in college... I get the letter and I read it. And what I wrote to myself was, hey, Gabriel, how are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Pretty much to summarize it, it was like, are you? do you still have dreams of going to the NFL or are you doing engineering? And the reason engineering was on my mind is because that teacher that I told you about, the one that would hold me and Manny back in class sometimes and talk to us, something she would always ask me is, you know, what do you want to be? And I would always say, I'm going to the NFL or the NBA. I'm going to the NFL or the NBA. And then one day she was like, what do you want to be? And I I just wanted her to stop asking me. So I said, I'm going to be an engineer. And She was like, okay, cool. And so I wasn't even thinking about engineering at the time. It was just, okay, I'm just saying this just to make her happy. And so that's what was on my letter. Are you, do you still want to go to the NFL or NBA or do you, are you doing engineering? Yeah, and that's crazy actually. Yeah, because- if I had graduated from high school and then got the letter, I was at that time I was still engineering still was kind of like something that I was like, eh. but after my first year in college, that's when it solidified. Okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And so, if I had received it in 2019, my original graduation date, if if or if I hadn't done that year in college first and got that letter, I still wouldn't have had the answer to answer that question. But since I had already done that first year in college, when I got the letter, I was able to answer my seventh grade self.
0: I want you to know that now that's an amazing story. But could you imagine being on the other side of that where you got held back a year? And so, but you're still like, wait, you're, you're like waiting for this to happen. And then it comes like, and you're technically finishing your junior or maybe even sophomore year. (laughs) And it's like. Bro, where? (laughs) I could just imagine, like, I could just imagine, like,
1: dang it. I was,
0: this was the year I was supposed to graduate. And now he's still
1: got a year or two left. I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah. But no, that's, that's actually crazy. That's like insane, kind of how I, I guess you could call it divine intervention or, or whatever you want to call it.
1: But yeah, that's, that's super cool. And, but yeah. And like I said, to wrap this up, the reason I, the last question I'm going to ask you, man. Okay. The reason I brought that up is because I'm interested for you now now that you're in the position that you are in now. What I guess I wrote that letter to my seventh I wrote that letter in 7th grade to my graduated yeah. self. What would you write to yourself in middle school like where you are now? What would you write to yourself? Like I'm pretending what I wished that my middle
0: schooler would have told me or what my middle school self would have told my current self
1: what you would tell your middle school self.
0: Um, that that's a good question because in middle school, I still wanted to be a pilot, which was, which is funny because I'm afraid of heights. Wow. And so the fact that I wanted to be a pilot is hilarious to me. Uh, yeah. So I didn't want to become a teacher until like my 10th grade year. Um, and so, what I wish that I would have told myself in middle school, I wish that I would have told myself to only focus on one sport. Uh, I think that one of my big undoings was in high school, I was spread too thin. Um, I wasn't a bad student, but I was spread too thin. I was, Mm. yeah, I was in ROTC. I was in choir. I was in football. I was in uh, baseball. Like I was in, uh fellowship of Christian athletes. Like yeah. I was, I had all these things going on all the time. And on top of that, I was in IB classes. And so like all those things were just too much. And so I think that I would tell my, my middle school self to focus on baseball because baseball was my first love. Um, I'm the head baseball coach for Garinger. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so like baseball still obviously is still a big part of my life. Um, but it's one of those things where football was, I think, to a certain extent, especially when I was in elementary school, middle school, it was my dad's dream. It was my dad loved football so much. And so I kind of wanted to do it for him. Um, whereas I didn't really like it that much. And my senior year, I didn't like football that much. Um, and so I think that looking back on it, I would have just focused on baseball and focused all my energy on that. Um, I think that also I would have told myself a good pep talk. Hopefully I would have listened of like, (laughs) Hey, you're not going to be the smartest or the fastest or the strongest, but you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. Because I truly think that like, if I would have gone into it, because one of my biggest problems in high school was I got content. I got apathetic Mm -hmm. and it was one of those things where I got used to being okay with C's or D's even. Yeah, and so if I would go back, I would be like, "Hey, like try for Bs. You can get get four Bs and two As, and like that's a that's a pretty good GPA." And so I think that like I would have told myself to like work a, a little harder, but it was also one of those things where at the time I was working as hard as I could because I was spread out so thin. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously I love choir. I loved ROTC. I love baseball and I liked football and like all those things were such a big part of my life. But the sheer reality of it is, is that like, because I was doing so many things I couldn't, I was working my ass off. Like I would get done with, I would get done with uh baseball at like six o'clock would go home, eat dinner, would do homework till 10, 11 o'clock, then go to bed wake up the next day, do it again. And, again. Yeah. and it was over and over and over again. And so like I was doing the best I could, but because it was because I was spread out so thin. Yeah. I I couldn't really work any harder. And obviously there's always ways that you could have worked harder, but that would been kind of the way that I would have done. Uh to be honest with you in actuality like I would have loved to play baseball somewhere, but the trajectory of my life is kind of pretty much where I wanted it to be. I mean, I I applied to UNCC. I applied to NC State um, right out of high school. And UNCC was not quite my favorite school. So NC State was my dream school. Um, And they had a good history program, but they didn't have a great education program. Um, and UNCC was obviously hometown. I knew that I wanted to teach in Charlotte somewhere, yeah. um, but I, I applied there. They had a better education program, but wasn't really the best history program. And I remember distinctly thinking, like, I, if I get into both these schools, I have no idea what I'm going to do because I would have probably went to Raleigh. I probably wouldn't have went to NC State, but I only got into UNCC. I didn't get into NC State because – obviously the 2.7 gpa um and so i went to uncc had a great four years um and i got yes like my always dream school was to go back to my alma mater east mac um but that wasn't in the cards and i'm with Garinger, and like i always said that whoever gave me my first my first job i'll have i'll be loyal to him for at least 5 years and this is year 4 so we're we're not planning on stopping now. Um, but I don't think that Geringer is my forever home. Um, that's not where I want to do 30 years because I think it would literally kill me. I would lit- I would literally be dead in the classroom if I did all 30 years at Geringer. Yeah. Um but I, I I don't know I always kind of when talking about regrets, I never know quite what to say because without those experiences here here you go this is deep without okay. without those experiences i wouldn't be where i am now yeah without without being in raleigh i don't know if i if without getting rejected from nc state once again we go back to that history cause and effect with without me getting rejected from nc state if i got accepted i might be in raleigh mm. i might have taught in raleigh i might not have a girlfriend i might not have the same girlfriend that i have now and so there's a lot of a lot of what ifs cause and effect type things. Um, But I'm happy where I am. Um, I have bigger and better things. I have ambitions, but it's one of those things where I enjoy teaching. And I think that that kind of ended out. I think that teaching is my calling. And I think that I'm lucky and I'm blessed to have found my calling and what I'm passionate about. Um, But I think that a lot of people think that when you find your calling, that's it. That's that's easy. And no, like when you when you found your calling. Great. You have the you have the first step. Yeah. Now let's let's finish it out.
1: Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, man. And to to add to that point real quick, you know, when you find your calling, it's it's only going to get tougher from there. You know, it there's a reason. Weight gets heavier the stronger you get. Because Mm. if you're lifting 45 pounds or if you're lifting 135 pounds and you just do that, you only do that, you're not gonna grow. You know, so you have to add the weight, and that's what gets you stronger. So yeah, once you find that purpose, once you find that calling, you know, God's like, Okay, here we go. And you handled that, let's add something else. Oh, you handled that, okay, let's add something else. And you know. But as long as you trust in him, you hold his hand and he'll guide you through it. You'll find the strength to do everything, man. So, yeah, man. Thank you for for being on here, bro. I appreciate yeah. it so much. I, I
0: I appreciate you having me. I, I want you to know, and I don't. I hope that I could at someday be be the one who does this. But you need to be interviewed. Mm. I know that you get like you are the interviewer. Yeah. But you are story. It's your story too. Yeah. And so, like, I think that you have insight and obviously you provide insight when talking about circumstances. But I think that it would be cool for the, the listeners to get to know like the full Gabe Hoff Jr. Yeah. Like I, I think that it would be, I, I think that that would be cool. And obviously you find out who, who you you want to want to do that. Adam's actually calling me right now. Um, but yeah, you, Hey, if you want me to do it, I'm I'm definitely down to do it because I would I would love to just pick your brain for a while.
1: Yeah, but man, I I, I appreciate that, man, and we'll definitely set that up set that up soon, man. I I yeah. do feel like an, I, I am kind of a mystery a little bit, so I was about we'll, to say
0: this is your show, and they probably know more about other people than you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll get that set up soon, man. But again, thank you for being here. It's yeah. always you know I always say this. Thank you for blessing or gracing this platform with your presence. Um, you know, it's I always I love having, you know, people who I consider my brothers on here. And so you dad, like I said at the beginning, you're definitely like a big brother to me. And you know, what do big brothers do? They take care of their little brothers and you've definitely done that with me. So I'm forever grateful for that, man. And, you know, again, thank you for being here. This episode means a lot to me to have you have you on here. Yeah. So I yeah, appreciate I, that, man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I I uh I wanted to be on here last week. Got unfortunately had got sick, and I didn't want it, I didn't want Don Hoff to be <laughs> yelling at me for getting her, her baby boy sick. So I appreciate I appreciate it, man. I, yeah. I had a
1: good time. Yeah, me too, man. So again, thank you. Uh if you're tuned in and listening, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you <laughs> make sure you Add and follow us on every all of the streaming platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on Google Podcasts as well. So make sure to tune in on that. We're also on Instagram. Uh, make sure to follow us on there. Subscribe and turn on post notifications. Comment how you felt about each episode. How you feel about the podcast as a whole. That'll mean a lot and help us get this in the ears of more people. Like I said, you know, preferably five stars, but just put whatever's on your heart to put. But I think is five stars. But whatever you want to do. Um. <laughs> Not
0: you. I want you to know, when you said that earlier, the fact that you're like, I don't know, whenever I hear like, like, comment, subscribe, give us a rating. I always think of like those YouTubers back in the day <laughs> where it was just like, you know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe. Do you have like a, a nickname for your podcast? Like fans? Nah. Storyers? Storybook? You, uh, I, story don't them,
1: I don't consider people that are listening fans. They were, we're family.
0: Oh, so the story. You are story
1: family? You are nah. story fam? Uh, uh, we we'll, we we'll might have to out. workshop it. We'll, yeah, we'll figure but it out. But I
0: want you to know you got to tell them you're not only welcome. How do you. You oh, got to gotta end on My yeah, My
1: bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my bad. I was about to say I, that was how you were known for a long time. <laughs> From this point forward, that's how I'm going to end every episode. So again, Make sure you add us on every platform um, and continue listening. You know, like we always say here, you're not just part of the story, but you are the story. Thank you, Jacob, for being here again or or being here. I'm messing up. Thank you for being here uh, and gracing this platform with your presence. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. Just know that you're not just welcome, but you're wanted. It's a blessing to have you listening and here with us. So with that all being said, we will see you all next time. Peace. Peace. (laughs) we <laughs>